morning, Shepherd's Gate. Good morning. It's good to be here with you. Let's just take a moment to pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you have invited us, that you've called us and told us to lift up our heads, O ye gates, so that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord God, strong and mighty, the Lord God, mighty in battle. And so we thank you that you've been mighty in our life and loving in our life and that you've closed the gap to come into our life. We pray now that this morning, gracious Lord, that by your spirit that you may touch, connect, resurrect and restore our hope and our faith in you. Draw us closer to you, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Again, good morning, good morning, and it's good to be here with you uh, in this first month uh, of a new decade. Amen? Amen. Uh, praise God. Um, first of all, I'm just honored and privileged that Pastor Tim would invite me to be here while he's not here. Amen. <laughs> So you probably may see me, Pastor Tim, streaming, so thank you again. So again, I'd uh, also like to say thank you all because of um, last year, I mean, you may not know, but your church sent me a get well card while I was in the hospital because I had a torn meniscus, I had to have surgery, and a wonderful card came from Shepherd's Gate wishing and blessing me for my recuperation. So again, I say thank you. Thanks so much for being so thoughtful, amen. And Shakina and I are always grateful and love to be here with you. And as some of you all know, we are officially empty nesters. Amen. Uh, I, 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 you know, I'm just, I'm not rejoicing all of them. I'm just simply saying it's, it's a milestone. It's a milestone. Uh, and so um, uh, four of our boys are in uh, Fort Wayne right now together. And our other son is our, our oldest son is down in Tallahassee. So yes, we are officially became empty nesters January 5th. And so uh, it is good. It's good to be here. And so uh, we are here and I'm celebrating with you and uh, this, this theme, including you, including you. And um, it's great to know that when God was creating this world, that he was thinking personally about us. And now as you are in this season and in this month, uh, we talk about including you and in going through this dynamic book called the Book of Romans, uh, whereby we are learning and hearing from God as to in what way uh, he chose to include us as, we, as he talks to us about the work um, of creation and how creation serves to reveal to us that God is with us. And so it is because of his love, of him drawing us to him, um, that we are so thankful that he does this purposely and that he draws us to him in order that we might be able to know him more intimately. And so when we understand this, God is always wanting us to know him. Um, and so as we look at creation, creation is in a way the evidence that he is at work. And so we're going to be talking about that theme today, the evidence. The evidence that God is, is, is living at work and that he is real and that he shares with us from the word of God. Um, that there is ir irrefutable, e irrefutable evidence that he is with us, cares for us, loves us, and that he is, that he is here and present. And so I want us to look at the scripture that was chosen from Romans chapter 1, and beginning at verse 18 through 20, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of me, who by their unrighteousness suppresses the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has showed it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature, 
have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. And so when we consider, he talks about God's invisible qualities, that God has qualities, that, that there is a personality, that there is an identity that God has, and that from creation we, began, we can begin to know who he is and what is the heart of God, and, and that he wants us to be able to discover just what it means for us. And so he places clues before us in creation in order that we might get a hint that we are not alone. God is always at work. He's always seeking to communicate us, to talk to us, to connect with us. And that's why Jesus shares in John chapter 5, uh, it says in verse 17, in his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. God is always working. And so uh, when we talk about him working, he wants people to know him. And uh, when we talk about the spectrum, there are people on, you know, there are across the spectrum, people vary in regards to their knowledge of God. Some people know nothing about Jesus. Some people know a few things about Jesus. And some have, in a way, grown up with Jesus. Uh, I, I'm in that category. I was blessed of growing up with Jesus. My parents were believers. Um, my father was a pastor. And so I came to know him and to, to trust him and follow him. And yet I've discovered in my own faith walk that it's a different thing about from believing or knowing about Jesus and believing Jesus. That there is a difference about just knowing about him and believing him. And so when I look at my own life, I realize that I thank God that he was, he's so thoughtful that he wants to include me and that, he's, that he has oftentimes chosen purposely to come to me at many times in different ways in my life to let me know that he is with me and that he loves me. God is truly saying throughout creation, I'm right here. I'm right here. And so when we consider this and we talk about the evidence, I think that it's so important that he speak, that, that we're reminded that he does speak to us. And even as I, just as I just shared, in my life, I've been continually wanting to grow, and I have grown in knowing who Jesus is and believing him more. And he's done some great things in my life um, to be able to let me know that he is right here with me. I remember uh, years ago when I was serving uh, with the military, and we were getting ready to go overseas and about to kick off from uh, out of California. And I was concerned because I was supposed to have these uh, supplies to be able to share with the military, with those Marines that I was going with, and it was 300 of them. Well, I, was, I, I sought to be proactive more than six months ago. I ordered them, and I thought that the supplies would surely be there on time. Well, here we were, and we were getting ready to kick off, and, and they hadn't shown up. And I was concerned about it, because I was like, what, what's going to happen? Because I wanted to make sure that they would have the Word of God, they would hear the Word of God in some way. And so I was getting a little concerned, and I was, in fact, I was worried. Then all of a sudden, this gunnery sergeant comes to me and says, hey, chaplain, uh, I got something to show you. And so I said, okay, what is it? He took me to, a, to, the, to his car, and he opened up, the, uh, opened up the trunk of the car. In the trunk of the car were Bibles and devotional material. And what surprised me was this, is that I had not told him that I needed devotional material. I had not told him that I needed Bibles. I didn't tell him that we're about to go into war and we have no biblical or no devotional material, but somehow God had put on his heart 
to be able to say, get some devotional material and get some Bibles. And so as I was getting ready to get off, God let me know that even before I even called out to him, he knew that I needed him. He knew that he needed to provide a way, and he used this man to let him know, I'm here with you. He said, he said even though there are things going on in your life, I'm including you in all the plans of my life. And so he helps us understand that there is enough evidence that God can speak to us directly and indirectly to inform us that he is present. And so as we talk today, I wanted to just share with you that there are a couple of things, a few things as we talk about the evidence. And so first of all, God provides evidence of himself in creation through changes, through changes. Can you say changes? So Isaiah writes in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11, he says, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. The writer mentions that there is snow and rain. The snow and rain is there to inform us that there are changes that are taking place in nature. And sometimes we may see that that snow and rain is inconvenient, and yet the snow and the rain point to us to inform us that these are cue cards from heaven, letting us know that there are changes, and as we understand, that there are seasons in nature. And so spring, summer, fall, winter are there to help us be able to see that there are breaks in nature to help us understand that there are times of renewal and death and idea of restoration. For even us today, there are seasons in our life. Some of us are at different seasons in our life. And God is wanting to speak to us in those seasons of our life. And those seasons begin, first of all, when we are born, then we become children, we have, get adolescence, we go to school, we make decisions, we get into relationships with people, we graduate, we get a job, we might get married, we might have children. Some of us get better as we get older. We get arthritis. We see people that are gonna come into our life, some people leave out of our life as we perceive as prematurely, and eventually we die. Seasons in our life, change that happens in our life. And sometimes the changes that happen in our life are not always pretty. Sometimes they're not always gonna be beautiful. And yet, the truth is this, is that as we hear from God, God helps us understand that he loves us regardless of what season that we're in. And that in, even in the low seasons and the great seasons, he's with us. So the snow is in some way, it is a, it is a message to us that grace is like snow. Because sometimes there are things that are unattractive and ugly about us, but the snow comes and covers up the things that are unattractive in order to make it look beautiful. Grace comes to our life to help us understand that even when we're ugly and unattractive, God is able to make ugly things become beautiful. And so in the seasons of our life, sometimes it's not going to be pleasant, it's not going to be great, sometimes we're going to be sad, we're going to be sorrowful, we're going to be stressed because of all sorts of chaos and uh, commotion that's going on in our life. And sometimes we just want to ask God, God, we, I just want you to end it all. That's a selfish prayer, amen? God, just come down now and take me back. 
And God doesn't do it. And the reason why he doesn't do it is because he says, yes, I know that you're having drama in your life and changes in your life. And there are other people having changes and drama in their life. But the reason that I have not come back is because, he says, I'm patient. Because there are people who need to know the grace of God and the love of God the same way that you know that love in your life. And that's what Peter was saying in 2 Peter in chapter 2, chapter 3. He says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He said, everyone, even the people we don't think about. God has people going through seasons. He allows the snow and the rain to come into their life for this reason. Sometimes to soften and to shape their hearts so that they might be receptive to who he is and that they might know him. Because sometimes, as I may say, sometimes in the seasons of our life, we can be blockheads. (laughs) I know that's not real biblical or scriptural, but we can be blockheads. And God will allow for us to go through that season of being a blockhead and will send soft things in order to soften our hearts and turn our hearts so that we might be able to know him. And Peter understood this. Peter was a blockhead. In fact, you know, he said, Jesus said, I will call you Petros, which is rock. And he said, uh, yeah, say, read it up. Just read it up, okay? He says, he says, I'm calling you rock because we understand this. We look at Peter's life, and Peter made mistakes, and oftentimes he would say things and do things, and what was amazing is this, is that he appreciated Jesus because Jesus was patient with him. And so when even Jesus, when even Peter made great boasts about what he could do and what he wouldn't do, Jesus said, oh, Peter, you don't even know what you're talking about. (laughs) Peter said, Jesus, everybody else may leave you, but I'll never leave you. Oh, no, no, I'm your ride or die. Peter, in a few hours, you're going to deny me. No, 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 you don't know what you're talking about. Okay, wait for it. (laughs) And as a result, later on, when Peter denies and he looks directly at Jesus, he realizes he's made a major mistake. And only later, Jesus comes back and he says to Peter, he says, Peter, feed my sheep. Jesus was willing to be patient with him because Peter was under construction. If we'll be honest, we will tell ourselves we are all under construction and that God is working on people while they're under construction and that he uses uses creation to let them know that even as things are changing and even as you are changing, I'm the God that does not change and I've come in order to do a change in your life. I want to change your heart, change your spirit and change your mind so that you will be able to know me and to love me with all of your heart. Secondly, God provides evidence of him in creation through places, through places. In Acts chapter 17, Luke writes, he says, From one man he made all nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. God is not far. He is not far at all. Sometimes uh, people may think that he's far. I know that no doubt you had an experience like me whereby maybe you've gone out on, a night, on a, an incredible summer night and, and at night when it's pitch black and you see all the stars and it's just been amazing to see all of the stars and recognizing that those stars represent, you know, constellations and, and, and galaxies and solar systems. And, and I don't know, I, 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 I've just been humbled by it to be able to say, 
isn't it amazing that in all of that, you know, you realize that when we look at the universal radar that we don't even show up a blip on the screen. And sometimes there have been people, no doubt there have been people who've looked at the stars and they've been wondering and said, is there anyone out there? Is there anyone who cares about me? Is there anyone who knows me? Is there anyone that's going to make sense of my life? Is this all just an accident? And the truth is this, is that when we look at creation, we must recognize that creation is not an accident. That God is not a God of randomness, but God is a God who is very specific and does things very purposeful. And that when he was looking at us and creating us, he knew that we were coming. And so he recognizes this. Recognizes this. And so here is God speaking to us through, through Luke. And he says that from one man and one woman came all the nations that we see in the world. And notice what he says. He, he, he set the exact time and the exact place. It is not by accident where you live. It is not by accident the job that you're working on. It is not by accident the neighborhood in which you live in. God purposely ordained, set into place where you will live, where you will work, where you would serve because he saw something that he was going to do in our life. And he wanted us, first of all, understand that for every place that we're in, that he is there. So sometimes God can use our emotional and our physical places to let us know that he's in our space. And he, he helps us understand this, that first of all, that if you, are, if you believe in Jesus Christ, he's sharing space with you right now. Because he says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. So God is in us, making us a new creation, and he's sharing our space. So wherever you go, he goes. That's why he's called Emmanuel, God with us. And so David understood this as he talked about understanding space. In, in, in Psalm 139, David asked the question, where can I go from your spirit? And where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. And if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. Sometimes we think that we can run away and we can hide. Sometimes we just want to crawl under a rock or disappear. And God says, no matter where you are, that's where I'm going to be. <laughs> you know what? I was good. I was playing hide and seek before you were ever a sparkle in your, in your parents' eyes. I know this. I know the best hiding place. And so here's David saying, he said, he said, you know what? I've tried to run away. I've been in places. I had my lows and I had my highs. And yet God has shown that he has been there in our lives. And so God wants us to understand that no matter what place that you go in, he says, I'm going to share your space. I think that it's important to realize this today because sometimes we think that God doesn't um, know where we are and what's going on in our life. Uh, and I can just speak for myself. Uh, so last year, I had to go to the doctor. On a, you know, I, I, did, I, had, I, was, I went to the doctor because I started having breathing difficulties and couldn't figure it out. So I ended up being there, and I was upset because who likes to be in a hospital? I mean, who likes to be sitting in the bed? And so they're running all of these tests, and, and I'm just wondering. I'm like, let's just get this over with. Tell me what's wrong and get me out of here. Amen? But while I'm there... Uh, one of the nurses come in and, and, and she, she's looking and somehow she said, oh, I see that you're a pastor. I said, yes. She said, um, and then she began to say, you know what, um, I kind of grew up going to church and, you know, I went to chapel every Wednesday and everything. 
But, you know, I've just fallen away from God. I just, I, 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 I know I should know better, but I just, I just don't. I mean, I, I've done things, and I just, I know that I've done things that I'm ashamed of. I mean, and so I just, I just thought that God really, really didn't want anything to do with me. And I said to her, I said, you know what, you do realize that being a child of God is not about what you do. It's about who he is. It's about God being able to say that he loves you unconditionally. That being a child of God is not a performance checkoff list. I went to chapel. I went to church. I made sure that I showed up at all the Christmas pageants. I did all those sort of things. That has nothing to do with your identity in Christ. What has to do with your identity in Christ is that God says, I love you. I chose you before the foundation of the world, and I want you to know that you're valuable in spite of all the mess-ups and all the bad mistakes that you made in your life. And so she was there, and she said, man, I really appreciate you sharing that with me. And she left, and it was only just a, a minute later I realized, said, so this is the reason why God had me in the hospital. Because <laughs> I would have never met her had I been well. I would have never had that conversation. God said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get up there and make sure you understand. I'm going to share your space regardless of the place. And God says, no matter what place that you're in, I'm going to let you know that I'm in your space and I'm in that space so that you might be able to know that I'm present and also that you can share the story of who I am with others who are sharing your space. So God reveals this evidence to us in our life as we look at those idea of places in our life. Then God provides evidence of himself in creation through purpose, through purpose. Purpose is the reason for why you exist. Purpose is the reason for why you exist. And so when we understand this, oftentimes people will say, why am I here? Why am I alive? What, you know, what am I supposed to do? And so at the, at the center of, of many people's questions is why? And so here it is, as we read here in Genesis chapter 1, I want to read from verses 11 through 12 in regards to purpose. God says, then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed according to their kinds, and it was so. And the land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit according to their kind, and God saw that it was good. So when we talk about seeds, we're talking about the idea seeds represent Potential and purpose. Potential and purpose. When you look at a seed, unless you're just uh, an expert, I know I'm not, if you look at a seed, you really don't know what's, what's inside that seed. It's only once the seed is planted in the soil and only after time when it is broken out of its shell and breaks through the ground do we begin to understand what the purpose of that seed is. We understand this, that the seed is there in order to produce. Because notice what he says. He says, let the land what? Produce, to go forth, to multiply. Seeds are there to do those sort of things. And so when we understand those seeds, within the seed there is a DNA for it to become what God wants it to become. I'll say it again. Within every seed there is a DNA for it to become what God ordained it to become. And so when we understand this and we look at this, we know that pears are going to bear pears and plums are going to bear plums and pomegranates are going to bear pomegranates. Everything has a purpose. You and I have a purpose. Even things that we don't like in life have 
a purpose. Every living thing has a purpose. I don't like gnats. <laughs> you know, they get in your ear, they mess you up. I just don't like gnats. And yet, gnats have a purpose. Their purpose is they're part of the food chain. They're birds and bats that are there, and also gnats are there in order to make sure that they pollinate other flowers. Don't like it, but gnats have a purpose. Termites have a purpose. If you live, if you live down south in Florida, termites, you don't want termites because they will mess up your house. But termites, in the bigger scope of things, termites are nature's recycling company because they will eat away at the dead trees and the wood, and what they do is those dead trees and the wood is that as they're breaking them down, they cause those dead trees and wood to become fertile, rich, nutrient soil for other plants to grow into. And so even the termites and the gnats have a purpose. And so when we look at creation, we understand everything has a purpose. Therefore, if the gnats have a purpose and the termites have a purpose, guess what? You and I have purpose. And our purpose, as God says, that just as he told the seeds, he said, to be fruitful and multiply, he says to us that we are to be fruitful and multiply, not just biologically, but also spiritually. The idea is that we were created to multiply, multiply, expand the kingdom of God, to be able to tell the story about this amazing God who loves us unconditionally, who came down into our darkness and our confusion, our, our confusion and our disorder and said, I'm going to love you and I'm going to show you that I love you. And I'm going to send my son to rename you, restore you, reclaim you and repurpose you for a greater and a better life. All of us have this purpose in our life. And oftentimes, though, we can look at our lives and think, is, it all, is this all there is? Because the worst thing that you can do is watch TV and look at the superstars. The people whose people know you by first name. It's easy to be able to think, well, those people are doing great things, and what am I doing? I mean, what, you know, I, I'm just going to work, and may, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm working in a pharmacy, and maybe I'm a teacher, maybe I'm, maybe I'm a pastor, maybe I'm working in the, in the juvenile system. And what difference is it that I'm there? And God says, regardless of where you are, you understand that you have an incredible purpose. So in Philippians chapter 2, Paul says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his purpose. God is working in you right now, willing in you to act according to his purpose. And here's the thing about a seed, because we all start off a seed. We don't necessarily know what we're going to look like in the end. Amen. But God, in his great wisdom and power, says, I'm going to break you out of your shell. I'm going to put you into something that's dirty, and I'm going to use the dirt of life in order to get up there and to begin to develop you and nurture you so that when you come forth, you're going to be able to make an impact in life. And sometimes we may think that I'm not as weak, I'm not, I'm not as strong, I'm not as wise, I'm not as smart, I'm not as influential. And God says, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And so even if we don't think that we're not a whole lot, God looks at us and says, boy, you sure are something. And you're something because of my grace and because of my love and because of what I'm doing in you. Because what I started in you, I will bring to completion in your life. For it is God working in you to will and to act according to his purposes. And so regardless of where you think you may not be, God says that you have an incredible purpose. So I think about this account, and some of y'all may have heard it, but this account about these 
three trees that were on a, on, a, on a mountain, and they would sit around talking about what they wanted to be when they grew up. And so one tree said, you know, when I grow up, I want to be able to be this incredible, great treasure chest that's going to be able to have all these precious jewels and, and uh, material. The second tree said, well, when I grow up, I want to be this incredible ship that's going all across the, 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 the oceans and, 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 and the world, and I'm going to be one that's going to take people to great places. And the third tree said, um, I don't really want to go a, a long way away, but I just want to grow so tall that when people look at me, they'll just say, wow, look at that tree. Well, those trees got up there, and years later, you know, they'd grown a little bit taller and everything else, and uh, the woodcutters came up, and they, they came there, and they, uh, as the first one came up, and he saw the first tree that talked about wanting to be this incredible treasure chest, and he said, man, that's a great tree. That's exactly what I needed. Chopped it down. The second uh, 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 woodcutter came by, he also said, saw the tree, said, boy, this is a fabulous tree. This is going to be wonderful for, for the dreams that I have, and he chopped it down. The third lumberjack, lumberjack for woodcutter, lumberjack, lumberjack came by and said, mm, that's not, mm, it's not everything that I thought, but I'll take it anyway, and chopped it down. That third tree was a little sad because he heard what that lumberjack had said. Few, uh, the first tree then was taken to the carpenter, the carpenter shop, and while the, the carpenter was in there, he began to shape it and cut it up, and then all of a sudden, he really, the, the, that tree was a little disappointed because all he did was make it was into a, a, a feed box. The second tree was excited because it took him into the lumber, in, into the, into the uh, shipyard. And while he was there, they began to cut him up and begin to shape him. But then he got a little sad because he realized that the person who was cutting him up simply made him into a small little boat that was never meant to be able to go on the big oceans and overseas. But in fact, the small one that only a few people would be able to be able to ride in. And he got sad. And the third tree was left there, was taken and thrown into a lumber yard, and that's where he stayed. Nothing happened. Years later, though, that first tree that had said that, you know, I wanted to be this incredible treasure chest was sitting there. All of a sudden, the light broke through it one night and was hitting him that night. And uh, all of a sudden, he sees these two people that are coming up to him, and they have this baby that's crying, and they lay the baby down into, the, into, the, into that little feed box. And the, and, the, and, the, and the husband says, I wish I could have made a crib. And the wife says to him, it's fine. The manger is just perfect. All of a sudden, he realized that he was holding the greatest treasure in the world. The second tree was there, and he, he, was, on, he was on the water one day. He, kinda, he, he woke up. And uh, he was in the midst of this storm, and it was raging, and, and the men in, the sh in, the, in this little small ship were screaming and hollering and losing their mind. And then this one guy, this one guy, he didn't even know his name, stood up and said, peace. And all of a sudden, the storm stopped, and everything was still. And he said, wow, I've got the king of heaven and earth in my ship. Then the third tree was out there, and the, the tree, and he was, he, he, all of a sudden, he was being pulled and tossed around, and uh, there was this man, and it was leaning back and forth on this man, and, and then it, it started him because eventually that man that was holding up, all of a sudden, they went ahead and nailed this man's hands into, into, into him, and it was ghastly. And he was thinking, how could I have been used for something as, as, as negative as this? That was on a Friday night. But all of us know what happened on Sunday morning. And on Sunday morning, we know that the stone rolled away. 
on Sunday morning, the angel showed up and told the message that he's not here, but he is risen. And that same tree celebrated because he realized that although it ended up on a, on a sad hill, on a lonely hill, people still look up to the tree today. And that tree is the cross that says that Jesus Christ came to die and to save us. And although it was ugly, it was still something beautiful that he did for us in our life because he loved us and because he cared for us. And so even today, that cross is still a symbol of hope and grace and power and assurance and, uh, and, and the confidence that we, even though we die, we will live. And so today, whether you drive down the street, whether you're on the side of a highway, whether you go to another country, whether you go to Rio de Janeiro, you see the person of Jesus or you see this cross, and the cross is there to remind us that God says that if I be lifted up, I will draw all people to me. Creation is being used by God to draw people to him. And you are that creation. God is using you and using your life and using your story to draw people to him because you were created for purpose. You were created to be in a relationship with him and you were created to tell the story that Jesus lives and Jesus loves. I pray that you understand that God was including you to tell others the incredible story of this God who loves us unconditionally and has done everything necessary in order to draw us closer to him. May you walk and you live in his purpose for the glory of God.